Well, guys, welcome back to 2216 Podcast. I'm joined here with by Jake and Dave again. Uh, we're back from our long duration disappearing act again. Uh, today we're going to discuss the differences in apparatus, what we run, what we what we feel is a benefit to us around the area, and uh, go from there, see what happens. Guys, welcome back. Thank you for being with me. Uh, thanks for having us, Greg. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Yeah. It's only been like six years. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Crazy. We said last time we were going to do better, but we don't. Life's busy. Um, I think we're slowing down a little bit now, so let me know. Maybe even towards that, uh, getting back into the, you know, flow of things here. I mean, some of us go to jobs, not all of us. <laughs> yeah. Two out of three. Yeah. 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 So, Dave, just try to keep up on this conversation. I mean, I know you don't really get to do a lot with fire apparatus, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I try not to do what you can. Um, just, just, just so we're all understanding here, that's listening to the podcast, Dave. When we say apparatus, it's the big shiny red fire trucks. Yeah. I've, well, so it's a. Uh, no, no, we have red now. They're red. Yeah, that's true. Um, unless, unless your name is Scott, because I hope he listens to this and he's a friend of ours. They paint their fire trucks the wrong color. They're lime. They're lime. Is that what you call it? Is that the color? I mean, yeah, I call. I don't green. call it a fire truck. I it's call it a lime. DOT fire truck. Other than the rescue, that's white. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. We do have uh, two two matching pieces of apparatus, so uh, that's a, that's a start, right? It is. Well, I mean, they kind of match, I guess. Yeah, yeah they're I mean, both red. Our, they got some white on them. All of our trucks are red. Just put it out there. That's true. That's true. So is ours. Hey, you know, I can vouch for Dave though. He's finally got two fire trucks back instead of just one. He had one out of yeah, for a long time. And, and and talking about uh, apparatus and uh, you know pumps, I did educate myself very well on the new pumps that are coming out, um, and uh, outfitting a an older piece with a new pump. So that's been exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. yeah so well, I mean, since you're talking, sorry, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, since you're talking about it, Dave, why don't you uh, get it kicked off here? Tell us about tell us about your apparatus. All yeah. right. Tell us about what the whole situation with your with your tanker and all that, so they understand yes. the story on it. Sure. Uh, so um, it's no secret we're in a rebuilding phase, as as we've discussed in the past. Uh, you know, the fire company doesn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, we're trying to you know rebuild and 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 get you know forward progress as any department would do. Um, Unfortunately, we had our tanker out, uh, mutual aid call, and uh, the driver operator at that call noticed a, a noise coming from the pump. Didn't really think much of it because um, it is a tanker, but we use it as an engine tanker. Um, so we can draft, we can pump, we can do everything, and plus haul water, 2,000 gallons of water. Um, so with that being said, um, they're trying to uh, diagnose what the issue was. We took it off for training the next night. Um, and at training, it suffered a catastrophic failure of the pump. Um, essentially what happened was the drive shaft slid backwards, actually pushed the, uh, impeller shaft through the back of the case and the PTO shaft made, uh, contact with the actual, uh, case itself for the impeller. Um, so 
they called me. I wasn't at training. I was actually uh, had something going on that night. And they called me and said, hey, can you come over? I went over to the station. We were there till like 11 o'clock at night trying to figure out what the problem was. And we once we put it in gear and got underneath it and started looking at things, it was really obvious what the problem was. So it catastrophically failed. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know, over time, uh, that'll happen with apparatus, especially, you know, lack of maintenance or if you maintain it still over time with wet, normal wear, um, it'll happen. So uh, we ended up taking it down to a company in Gettysburg to get the, the pump looked at. Um, when they got down there, they sent me a picture. It looked like honestly gravel in the guy's hand. Um, and it was actually metal from the impeller. Um, so it was, you know, it was a, Oh crap, what are we going to do situation? You know, we kicked around the idea of, uh, just running as a straight tanker, not having the pump set up. And it was kind of a waste cause we need that extra water in the township, um, that we cover. And also in the borough, uh, it's another pump also. So, you know, if we have a, something happens and, and Jake, you can attest to this. If we have a, a, an issue with an engine, we can use that as the you know secondary pump. So, um, we were kicking around the idea and we got insurance involved, um, because it did occur, you know, we first noticed it on a fire scene and, and, um, long story short, we got the pump replaced. Um, the problem with the pump replacement process is it's not a very quick process. Uh, it takes, it literally took us, I don't know, months. Uh, it was supposed to be done by Christmas. Um, once they got the pump put in, they took it out to pump test it. The fuel pump went on the engine, the actual motor itself. Um, so that was another cost. They went out and all the valves were, were bent. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the valves. When you lock the valves, if you try to pull against the valve, it will actually bend them. So that's interesting. Didn't know that. Um, all the years of people pulling against the, the lock actually bent the valves so 17 valves were replaced the pressure relief valve was replaced and the intake valve was replaced um all in all the company did great work they worked with us um obviously from the financial standpoint because i mean insurance only covered the pump everything else was covered by us so we you know had to try to figure out how we're going to isolate money which we did a lot of fundraising and put a lot of work into you know gaining the funds to get it paid for so you know, kudos to the folks at the firehouse. They really have stepped up and are putting forth the effort. But uh, so we just got it back. Um, you know, it's been a couple months. It's been down. I've been running a single engine company. Um, you know, kind of stuck me in a position where we had guys that were POVing to the scene. Uh, you know, 15 members showing up on a call and six are at the fire engine. Um, so it's nice to have it back. It is a great resource for our mutual aid communities as well, um, because up where we're at, you know, there are a lot of non non hydrogen areas. So. It worked out, um, and that's where we're at with it. So it's back, it's in service, and good to go. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's, it was a it was a rough time there. <laughs> Isn't that quite the story? <laughs> well, on top of that, on top of that, we we bought a, an American LaFrance engine um, and put that in service, and we're actively trying to sell our Seagrave. Um, engine that we have in our station to kind of help alleviate some of the debt and you know pay off some of the stuff that we oh, need that, to pay off so that c gray engine still still for sale and available yeah so um interesting story about that as well we had a company come in and take a look at it and they were you know talking about all the uh what, what appeared to be frame rot underneath the uh the frame and everything 
the frame was starting to separate in their words. We took it out to a, a vendor down near Shippensburg. He looked at it, specializes in um, Seagrave higher apparatus, Baker aeroscopes, that kind of stuff. He said, yeah, it's common occurrence with Seagrave uh, with a shear. It's 98. Um, you know, we can pull the tank out of it and, and do the work to it. Well, you know, for $5,200, 50, or $5,900, excuse me, to pull the hose off of it and to take the bed off of it, I figured we could do that ourselves at the fire station, which we did. Um, they were also they also advised us that the tank was steel. It was riding against the frame. There was all, all these issues they came up with. So we took the bed off, took the hose off, took the bed off, and lo and behold, the tank is actually a poly tank. And there's no issues. Um, there's actually paint still on the sidewalls inside the body. Um, so there were no issues. Um, and, uh, we think that, you know, obviously the department was trying to, you know, lower the price, get the price lowered for the, for the piece it's coming loaded. So it's not like, you know, we're asking, you know, 65,000 for a loaded fire engine. And I think they it's yellow. So they were trying to get some money out of getting it painted, I believe. Um, but now that we had it tore apart and we had it looked over, everything's kosher. Everything's good to go. Um, it's back on the market again. Um, and it's a loaded piece. It's perfectly functional. You can come up and run it. We literally can go out and draft with it tomorrow. You know, it was a frontline piece until the, the uh, American LaFrance came. <clears throat> so, uh, so what else you got? Tell us, I mean, I figured, you know, like we were talking about for this episode, doing apparatus. So you just talked about a couple of your trucks, but tell us all about all of your apparatus and then Greg can go next. Cause Greg's department might have a nice shiny new toy too. Yeah. So, yeah. So our tanker, uh, it's late nineties, HME, um, 2000 gallon tank, 1250 pump, um, has a it's a standard setup for an engine. So it has its cross lays. We have the cross lays on it. We have two lines coming off the back and, a, and a, about a thousand foot of, uh, five inch off of it. We can't use it to lay in if we need to. Um, we have a 2004 American LaFrance, which we recently acquired from the Pembroke fire company. Um, it's a nice little engine. It's a 26 foot engine to match the 28 foot tanker. We can fit down the side streets in town. Um, it's, it's very functional for what we have. It does have a small rescue complement on it. You know, just enough to get us started. We have a set of tools. We have cribbing, you know, enough cribbing to get us started. We do have a lot of, you know, resources coming in on our, our, uh, accident boxes. So, uh, our primary focus is the engine company ops or, uh, you know, basically stabilization, pulling lines. If it is an entrapment crash, DC in the battery, that kind of stuff, patient care. So it is set up uh, a little bit for that. Uh, for the most part, it's a little nice little wagon. It's got um, 1,500 feet of five inch on it. It's got two, three inch lines coming off one board pre-connected that we can use as a leader line. And then one reverse that's not connected that we can use to hook to a different piece to, you know, hook into us or which vice versa. Um, and then one 300 foot inch and three quarter off the back. Our pre-connects, we run about, uh, we run 250 on the engine and 200 on the tanker. So you're gaining about 50 foot off the engine. Um, and that's primarily what we run. The engine's also a 1250, um, 500 gallon tank. So a little bit less than what I wanted for a rural area, but it'll work in a pinch. I mean, 500 gallons, if you utilize the water correctly, you'll at least get a decent knock on something, you know, water can for that matter. But, um, it is nice. Um, so yeah, it's, it's what we have. That's our, that's our apparatus in Williamstown. So, and you're, you're also looking at, at some point adding in a utility or a, or a UTV or something like that, right? Yeah, so um, again, we're in a rural area. Um, we we are fortunate that we have a brush unit to 
uh, are West and Wiccanisco, and we have Utility and Lichens and a Utility or a Brush Unit Muir um, on the squads, you know, in Tower City and Orwin. Um, but we're looking for something in our first do that we can have. Ultimately, if we have a brush fire here, um, you know, basically we take the tanker or the engine, both of them, and uh, that's how we're going to fight the brush fire. So we want to have some uh, resource availability to get something that's kind of a benefit for us, and it can be used multi-purpose, right? So right now we're running our engine for all medical calls. So if we get dispatched to assist EMS, we're taking the fire engine out, we're taking up side streets, you know, for an EMS call. Where we could pile, you know, people in a six, you know, a crew cab, you know, six guys in a crew cab, and take them to a, a medical call. That would be more beneficial and cost saving on us for diesel, everything else. So yeah, eventually uh, the 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 goal would be to get a uh, uh, utility slash brush truck, and uh, we do have a very active fire police unit. Um, our, our fire police are very very active, and they, you know would like to branch out to other municipalities. So there is talk of a possible like a uh, fire police unit down the road too. That way we can use that also as a double up. If we need to go out with another, you know, say pickup truck, pick up hose, that kind of stuff. We can utilize that as well. I like it. Well, so yeah, and yeah. For, for your area down there, it's, it's gotta be tough taking that engine out all, all over the places. Your side roads, some of them are, uh, are tight. They're tight. I mean, it's tight, but it's doable. It's just, the problem is we're taking the fire engine out. You know, for medical call, we're out on the street for 20 minutes on the call. Um, and then we, we go from there. Also, so. the way to think about it is you said that you're in a rebuilding stage. It's good to get your members out there in the truck and get everybody comfortable with it. So, I mean, it, it's got to yeah, be as well. We do a lot of driver training. Um, I want them to be proficient because we do have a we do have a hydrant system, right? So we do have a positive water system in the borough and some parts of the township. Um, but... It's not the. It's not something that's. Uh, if you have major fire flow, say we have three houses off down on Market Street, it's not going to sustain fire flow for an ex- extreme amount of time, right? Or or the duration of the fire. So I want them to be able to to think and look at things and say, okay, um, we have this amount of time that we have to you know switch over to do this. So I want to be able to drop the five inch off, take the intake manifold off, throw the hard suction on, and be able to draft out a porta pond and be able to switch like that. So and there are times we have to do. Um, you know, rural firefighting tanker shuttle operations in our first due. So they're going to have to draft. They're going to have to, you know, pull from a port pond So. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, now, what about you, Greg? Yeah, what so, do you got, Greg? Tell us about your fancy stuff. Yeah, you got fancy stuff. Fancy. Yeah, I don't I don't think we actually have fancy stuff. Um, funny enough, out of, out of the three of us here, I'm actually in the only district that doesn't have a single hydrant. So everything that we do is geared towards that rural, no positive water supply, you know, everything like that. So our trucks are set up a little, little different, still kind of the same. Um, so right now my department runs four trucks. We run a 95 Ford F-350 brush truck. Man, I uh, want that thing. <laughs> yeah. Which actually, <laughs> that was a truck that we added to the fleet. Uh, what, December of 2022, I believe it was. Um, that replaced an 86 Chevy K100 that was uh, ex-military that the motor blew up in, which actually, that truck was was beautiful. That was a mint truck. I wish we would never had to get rid of that one, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, so the, the, the Ford, that setup right now carries a 200-gallon water tank. It carries about a... 
200 GPM pump on it. Um, we carry a little bit more uh, wildland hose that a lot of departments do. We carry about a thousand feet on it, which incidentally we have had every every bit of it off. You know, you hear once we get to springtime and into fall time, we tend to get busy with woods fires and brush fires and and all that. That truck's been a godsend for that. Um, of course, carries all your rakes, brooms, shovels, chainsaws. Uh, now we're carrying a floating pump on it. The problem we have around here is we don't have a lot of options for our water supply. Um, so we were carrying a portable pump on it. That really didn't pan out all that well for us. So we were able to fortunately get a floating pump donated to us last year. Um, that turns out that's uh, that's been kind of a positive thing for us uh carrying that we're able to when we're out in the woods we come across a lot of different creeks and ponds and you know things like that that you normally can't get to that we're able to drop that in boom have water supply um works out very well we uh we did add one little feature to that truck that isn't normal on brush trucks we uh in-house built a light tower attachment to it uh so what we did is we we had some parts laying around here or some parts in. It's got four big LED heads. They're hooked to it. It's able to extend up 14 feet, fully pivot around. Uh, we found out that a lot of times when we're getting these fires, we're ending up out in the woods in the dark. And, you know, it's dangerous. It's hard to see. So we wanted to do something to kind of combat that. So, so that's a nice little addition that we added that you don't usually see. But, you know, everything off the wall kind of kind of works well. Uh, next we have a 2001 Freightliner tanker um, that carries 2,000 gallons of water. It's basically just a straight tanker. It's got 2,000 gallons of water. It's got a 500 GPM portable pump that's built onto it, so we are able to pump off, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not like Dave's tanker where you're going to pull off and that's going to act like another engine. That's not, that's not what our case is here. Um, we do a lot of tanker shuttle operations, you know, as well as Jake. So that's pretty much straight up water hauler. You know, it carries the, your, your port tank, it carries a few extra joints of hose. So we can, in a pinch, if we need to run a hand line off it or two, it does have the power and the capabilities to do that. But primarily it's just our hauling water. Uh, we have a 2009 Darley Ford F550. That's a uh, mini, but... That carries a thousand gallon per minute pump. That carries a Darley AutoCAF system on it, so we're set up pretty well as far as running foam. Uh, it's got the onboard air compressor. And that's also our primary out for medical calls, car accidents, basically anything that's rescue. It carries a full complement of Hearst tools. Uh, carries four air packs. Carries all the medical supplies. Basically anything that you would need for that. Uh, that was actually purchased off of a FEMA grant back in 2009. That was funny enough. It's only the second truck that this department's ever bought brand new and we still run it to this day. So that was kind of nice to be able to sit down and plan it out. Like we actually got to spec everything out to what we wanted, what we thought would work well for our district um, and getting the, getting the bigger pump on it. That was kind of the, that was kind of the big thing. We didn't want to get a truck, that had a small pump on it, um, especially with the calf system. But for our area, we run a lot of district that 
are non-maintained roads, long driveways, situations where it's difficult to get into. Uh, and this truck fills the gap, whereas, you know, our mainline engine maybe can't access. You know, as well as mutual aid companies, we, we get called into a lot of our surrounding areas for the same same type of thing. Um, and then, of course, so Jake mentioned about the new truck. Uh, we actually just recently purchased a newer newer engine off of Bradford Township, which is just a couple of counties over. Uh, we purchased a 2001 Pearson Forcer. Um, we were looking to replace our old one. It was getting kind of beat down and didn't really have all the features that we were looking for. And over the last few years, we've become more of a more of an engine company than what we were prior to that. So we've learned we've learned a lot. Uh, decided it was time to go something a little bit bigger, something a little bit more um, technology on it. So this truck carries 1,000 gallons of water. It runs a 1,500-gallon-per-minute pump. Um, it's got four cross lays off of it right now. They're set up for the three-inch and three-quarter lines. It's set up for a two-and-a-half-inch cross lay. And then, of course, we run four-inch, so we've got four-inch, three-inch off the back of it. Uh, air pack seats all throughout, you know, um, onboard inverter, so all the telelights. They come on, whereas our old one didn't. We still have the air hookups on it. So, Greg, can so I also add that engine. I was one of the first ones on the engine for a call? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, funny enough, Dave lives four hours away, but he happened to be, somehow happened to be in town the weekend we were putting it in service. So he stopped by to help us, and we were actually just getting ready to, to do some pumping with it. And... Uh, one of our mutual aid companies got blown out to a fire. So we, we heard around and put it in service and went out on a transfer assignment with it within, I don't know, 10 minutes of it being in service. So Dave got yep. to, Dave got to ride right on the first call with us on it. And he actually, then we were over there and we run a, we covered a medical call with it. So he got to run on the second call with us as well. Yep. So he was pretty excited, excited about that. It was yeah. exciting. It was, and uh, so, so yeah. Um, that's basically what we run. Is we run the four trucks. Nothing, nothing real crazy. Nothing real exotic. Uh, we have around us. We're fortunate. We have some really great mutual aid companies. They're pretty close. Each company has different tools to offer. So, so that works out great in our benefit. Um. Now, Jake, I know, like, your trucks, you got one that's not all that old either, and I don't even know if we, I'm not sure if we've discussed your new truck We did. podcast or we not. Did. Didn't we discuss that? Yep, yep, we did, because yeah, yeah, he was actually looking for it. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, see, that shows how long that has been. So what about, what's your trucks like over there, Jake, that you're running now? They're shiny about, and about red. The new engine, but... Hey, real quick, before I get into my trucks, Greg, um, should I return those brake shoes that I bought for your old engine? I mean, we probably don't need them anymore, so I'm going to say you probably can. <laughs> I just thought about that now as you were talking about it. I was like, oh, crap, I still have those on my shelf. Yeah, so we're fortunate <laughs> as well. Jake's, Jake, uh, Jake owns a repair shop, so he's able to do a lot of our repairs and things like that. So actually, it was probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago now or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
we had some issues with our brakes, and we took it over there, and they went over them, and they cleaned them up real good. We were having problems with, uh, I, I don't know, it was a noise or something to that effect. Brake chamber. Okay, whatever it was, anyways. So he got all cleaned up, and he was going to order the parts for it, and we took brought it back. Well, after that, we ended up not having any more problems, and we were all still going to have him put the brakes on, but it just never happened. So now he's just been kind of storing them for me over there for, you know, a year and a half, but... <laughs> But he's a great guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh so our department yeah. our department, um we house um oh I don't know. We house two two pumpers, two class A pumpers, a tanker, a rescue, a brush truck, and then we also an EUTV, but then we also house a district truck. So I'll go through each one of them. Um, Jake's the big so, department out of us, in case you guys haven't noticed. I don't know. Yeah. I would say big department. Um, but uh, uh, so our tanker is a 3,000 gallon tandem axle Peterbilt uh, that we had built in the early 2000s. Um, we we can pump and drive with it. We can actually draft with it. There's a lot of things that we can do with that, that tanker that we really, really like. Um, one of the things we really like is 3,000 gallons. Uh, the reason why is if if the if the tanker and the pumper rolls, both our engines have a thousand gallons on it. We have four thousand gallons of water, um, like right away, which kind of like what Greg was talking about with us living. You know, I, we do have a hydro system in our village. Um, it's not the greatest, but we do have one. But once you get outside of the village, you know, we got we rely on tanker shuttles, and so that's extremely important to have. You know, four thousand gallons. Um, uh at our disposal so um we keep some minor stuff on the tanker too um for other things like we actually have a um a floating pump um and things of that nature just so that way you know if we're stuck in a pickle and got a draft out of like a tiny little crick with a hole um we can do that if we have to you know i shouldn't say draft at that point because then we're just pumping it but you everybody knows what i'm saying um so that's our tanker our tanker is very beloved um, it's really important to some of the members, um, which is great because, you know, a local company um, in Andover, there's a big trucking company called STX and they're big Peterbilt guys. And they actually uh, ordered and built the truck. Um, and then they also, I shouldn't say built the truck, they ordered the truck and then put the the uh, the tank body on it. So um, there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, help me out here, guys, the word I'm looking for, like, Sentimental value for yeah, the truck in our department. No, that that's where that, that's who built that. To be honest with you, what's that? I didn't know that's how that worked worked out. I didn't know that's who built. Yeah, it. yeah. So so STX all that's all they have are Peterbilts. So um, when they uh, when they were ordered, they ordered a bunch of trucks and they knew we needed a tanker, so we got with them and and we you know we paid them for the truck obviously. Uh, but they ordered the truck and then they donated the time to mount the um, tanker body and everything on us because, you know, we're a small little department. It's not like we're rolling in the dough. So, yeah, that's how it came about. That's crazy. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So then we move. I'm, I'm just going in my head. I'm just going by picturing each bay. So then the next bay over to the left of that would be our newest uh, engine, um, which I had a hand in purchasing, which was, you know, something new to me and I really enjoyed. So that's a 2012 Freightliner commercial chassis. Um, it is a five-man cab. Um, it's a beautiful truck. It's a great truck. Um, that Again, 1,000-gallon, 1,250 pump on it. 
Um, it's shorter wheelbase, which we really like because it's it's a lot more agile to, for maneuverability, and that's what we really wanted. And it sits at a decent height. Um, I don't want to get into discussion between commercial cab and custom cabs, but the nice part about a commercial cab is I feel like you get a little more height than what you would out of a custom cab. Um, so that kind of helps us because we have some hilly areas and some areas that we traverse. Um, I couldn't tell you how much of our area, but of our, of our 40 square miles district, you know, we do have a lot of hills that we got to, you know, carry over. Um, and that helps us a lot. Um, that truck, we have an uh, older set of a uh, cutter, spreader, uh, I'm sorry, combination tool on that truck that we can run with. It has a portable um, pump with it. Uh, we don't really run that to like car accidents other than for water, you know, water supply. So we don't do a ton with it. So that's why there's not a ton of rescue equipment on it. And then, you know, your traditional fire equipment is scattered throughout the truck. Um, then we'll move behind it. So directly behind it would be our brush truck. Again, the brush truck has a lot of sentimental value. Um, that brush truck was purchased in, in 19, 1985 and has been with the department since. It's had two cab off restorations on it now. Um, it's been with the department for that long. That truck is very well loved. Um, it's funny because whenever I have it in the shop uh, for services or inspections or anything like that, a lot of customers who come in always are asking if we can sell it because people seem to want to buy it. It is a beautiful square body Ford, even though I don't like Ford, but it still is. Um, that has a 250 gallon tank on it, and then uh, you know just your standard Indian tanks, rakes, you know all the stuff that. Um, this might surprise some of you guys. I hate. I'm not a wildfire guy because I don't like to walk. There's a lot of walking involved. Um, <laughs> so then, if you go back to engine two and go directly to the left of it, would be our rescue truck. It is a 2004 uh, F550. Um, it's very similar to what, what Greg has, except we do not have a pump on it. We do not carry any water on it. Um, it's pretty much your rescue truck. has your light tower. Um, it houses. We have um, hearse tools on that, too. Um, again, we have a cutter and a, a spreader that we can run both at the same time, which is great. It really helps us with our extrication abilities. Tons of cripping. We also carry all of our rope stuff on there. We do rope rescue. Um we do a lot of that. We have a ATV park here in town um, that, you know, sometimes people go a little too crazy or too fast and then fall down a 20, 30 foot ravine and we got to go get them out of there. So that's kind of why we got into ropes. Um, unfortunately, maybe this is going to make me look like even worse of a firefighter because I said I don't like brush fires, but I'm not a big ropes guy. Um, I'm a bigger guy. I don't like to rope or tied around my waist and hanging and dangling because i feel like i'm going to fall faster so i'm an anchor guy so that's 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 pretty much where i work is up top um working the anchor points on the ropes then sitting directly behind our rescue truck is a 2006 uh international um uh um commercial chassis um that is a five-man cab also um that's our bigger truck longer truck uh, it's probably our biggest truck we have in our fleet. That is our secondary truck. Um, that carries a lot of water supply stuff on it, secondary sets of tools. Um, that's pretty much set up for like our water supply truck. When we roll, engine two rolls first. That's our initial attack truck. And then when engine one rolls, you know, if we don't have mutual aid coming in to set up water supply, then engine one is going to be the one setting up the water supply. Then last but not least, oh, well, I shouldn't say that. So then we also have a Kubota um which is our utv um i will admit it's probably the slowest moving thing but um 
we've gone through with the ATV park. We've gone through things that no joke. When we sit in the driver's seat, we're like, Oh, we'll never make it through there. And we've made it through there. We've done a ton of rescues uh, between logging accidents, ATV accidents, uh, you know, ambulance assist, EMS assists. Um, that that's utilized a lot. We have a two modules that slide in the back. We have an EMS module and we have a wildfire module. Wildfire modules is a hundred gallon tank with a small little pump on it. Um, actually, we had when was that, Greg? Two years ago was the big fire in Jasper. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and uh, do you remember? I don't remember off the top of my head. Do you remember how many acres burned? Uh, I actually don't big, remember. But it was a it big was fire. A yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. They actually they they ended up backing out of that one and letting it burn overnight. Yeah, it, it was definitely a massive fire. Anyone local listening to this, I'm sure you remember, because it was one of those things I call a generational fire um, because it was that big. But we had it there. Um, I mean, I was, I was, you know, the poor people who tap trees for maple syrup, but I was knocking saplings down left, right, and center driving through there because there's no trails, trying to build a fire line and so on and so forth. And as much as that Kubota is slow and, and bulky, but, man, that thing just, it's it's gotten... Everywhere we needed it to go, uh, we've been able to rescue all the patients with no questions asked and no worries, and and it starts on a dime every time. I, I got to give that Kubota some credit. Um, and then I guess our last piece of apparatus is a district truck. And what I mean by dis- district truck is district four is a combination of four departments, and then we have uh, an air truck. So this truck allows us to go right to scene and to be able to refill air bottles. And ironically, out of all of our trucks, it's probably our most respond, you know, our most used truck uh, responds to most calls of the year because it's not just our district that we cover. Uh, we go into a lot of other districts, a lot of other departments request it and call it in, and we're very happy to to oblige. Um, it, it's a very important piece because that's one thing, you know, um, anybody who listening there might be a city department you might not ever think about it because most of them can fill right in the house but for us when you're you know an example would be so we're 40 square miles of a district if we're all the way on the other side of our district it would be a pain to throw a whole bunch of empty bottles inside of a pickup truck bring them back to the station to film well we're going to bring that air truck to you so we can fill them right on the spot um but yeah it's pretty much our fleet i mean um yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And we each truck is customized the way our department wants it to be, so we can respond and be adequate at what we do. We do not respond to any EMS calls, um, like what what Greg and Dave do. Um, that we do have an ambulance, uh, an ambulance department here in town, Andover Ambulance, Andover Volunteer Ambulance Corporation, and they handle all EMS calls. The only time we assist is if they need us for the UTV or. You know, if, it, if the EMS call is bad enough and they're going to land a bird, then, you know, we'll we'll handle the, the landing zone. So, but that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, what's great about that, the Cascade truck that you guys have is really when you stop and think about it, for where we're located in the county, basically south of the expressway, for the most part, that's pretty much the only in-county Cascade system, mobile Cascade system. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean to be honest with you guys, you know, um, I think we did. I think we had ninety six calls last year. Not not the year we're in now, because we go April to April, so we haven't closed yet for you know twenty three, twenty four, and part of twenty four. Um, but the previous year, I think we had ninety six calls, and I think of those ninety six calls, fifty two or fifty four of them were air truck calls. 
So that air truck rolls a lot. Uh, and, and, uh, it's, you know, probably one of the most important trucks to us. So that way it allows our numbers to be up there for calls. But, um, yeah, it's utilized by everybody. And that's not counting trainings, you know, like Greg had a big training. He invited, you know, the fire department over and we brought the air truck over to help fill bottles. Cause the training involved being on bottles and we don't mind doing that. We, we really like doing that stuff. So. Well, yeah. And I mean, you figure, what are we, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes between stations. Yeah. Yeah. I call so, a lot of work off an air wagon. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, they go further than that, obviously, but. Yeah. And she's an old girl too. I never even, I never even said what it was. It's a 1995, uh, Chevy top kick. <laughs> so she's, she's, uh, she's an old girl, uh, but she does her job. Um, it's funny. So I'm going to totally bring this up because some other people might find this funny is, so there's a lot of discussion on, on this air truck as in it's an important piece of apparatus, but it doesn't need to be there like right away because you have some time and it's governed because it's an older truck. So it doesn't go over 55 miles an hour, which I personally think it's fine because it's not a rush of a truck. Well, maintenance on the truck is, is paid for in the combination between the four departments in the district, um, which, you know, anybody, which one of the biggest reasons we started this podcast was talking about the challenges. Well, we all know what one of the challenges is, is fundraising. So it's not like all four of these departments are rolling in money and can buy state-of-the-art stuff. So maintenance on the truck, we keep up so it runs and drives, but... Um, an example would be is the light bar works and the wigwags work, but the lights on the module stopped working, the flashing lights on the module, um, and we decided not to fix it. And some of the members of the department are like, well, I think we should fix it, but at the same time, it's like, it's an air truck, it does 55 miles an hour, it's not meant to be there right in the very beginning of the fire. If I pulled up to a house on fire with an air truck, what am I going to do, stare at the house burning? You know what I mean? It's like it's it's a very important piece of equipment, but it's not the needed to be the first piece of equipment there. I don't know if I'd want to go over fifty five in that truck, anyways. To be honest with you, no, no, it's it's no. <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually think we there's been some talks in the district. We're we're thinking about replacing it with something newer, something smaller, because this is a big truck for the just yeah. the air unit. Uh, but you know financial restraints so anybody listening wants to mail a letter to district four as a fun you know fundraising for the new air truck you're more than welcome to (laughs) (laughs) see that's part of it where it'd be nice if if the county would actually get involved and which i mean i know obviously you guys wouldn't want to wouldn't want anything taken away from your district but something like that where it's being used in many townships it'd be nice if they'd kick a little funding in yeah it's funny because um you know, I, I thought about that, and, and I don't, you know, anybody who's in surrounding districts, you know, heard, heard this. I'm not, I, I don't want it to be taken the wrong way, but one of the things I thought would be cool is, is like, um, if some of the surrounding districts that always call it in or something of that, or it's used a lot to go there, you know, maybe if they just, you know, like donated like a couple hundred bucks a year to it for help for maintenance, for the inspection, you know, tires, brakes, you know, like that kind of stuff, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's yeah. not like we're rolling in, like I said, it's not like we're rolling in the dough, you know? So, so, but at the same time, they also have their own stuff they got to pay for. So, so it's, it's hard to, to, to bring up that argument. You know what I mean? It's kind of a trade off. I get it. But, uh, yeah. something like that, I mean, it's, it's taken, we take it for, I take it for granted. You don't ever really think about it other than the fact that, Hey, Andover's got this air truck. We know it's going to be there. 
but you don't really think about behind the scenes. Well, hey, somebody's doing the upkeep on this. Somebody's paying for the fuel for it to drive all over God's creation. Yeah, so. yeah, we spent a lot of money on fuel with it last year. <laughs> well, if you really think about, if you think about it, though, it, in the rural areas, that's a lot of the special services, right? So the air wagon, ladder trucks, you know, stuff that doesn't get used. You know what I mean? Like it's a special resource that you're bringing in. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, geez, we had uh, we had a house explosion. Oh, geez, it was a few years, few years back now. Andover's air truck come over to it, and I mean, this was we're talking clear, basically the other side of Elma, you know, into Bolivar. That yeah, was, was a, a pretty good hike. Yeah, that was a distance. Yeah. So I got to imagine by the time you get there and back, and then of course the truck's sitting there running the whole time. You know, it's really funny is I, I love our brush truck, <laughs> but um, you, we took the brush truck to that Jasper fire that we we're talking about. Right. We left the station on a full tank. And by the time we had got there, we were putting fuel in it with our gas cans because we were on fumes. <laughs> hey, I, I can it's... feel you on that. <laughs> that same, was it the same day? Yeah, it was the same day. The same day. Our brush truck, we ended up over in Willing on standby, and then we ended up getting called into a fire over in West Union. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I had Wellsville, because Andover got banged out for a big brush fire at the UTV park. So we were all over in Jasper, and and Jasper, uh, yeah, and then we had to pull Wellsville into our own district to put out our fire because we were all busy at that big wildfire. Yeah, that was a crazy day. That was was November, too. Yeah. uh, Yeah, so we ended up. We ended up to a fire that, that that was probably a good hour away from our actual station. Yeah. So by the time we got there and by the time we got back to Wazel, we were we were licking fumes. Like I said, that day was a generational day. You get what I'm saying yeah. by that? Like once in my generation, we'll see something like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. Because there's, Greg, you can attest to this. You, you and I have been on fires inadvertently together that we didn't know that we were on fires together. Shingle House yeah, is a prime example of that. That's true, and then while well, you figure you take take Clarksville into account, last year they went up to that big one up in uh, oh, I don't know, in Belfast, whichever can't can't yes, right, whoever they were going yeah, to yeah. there. That ended up yeah. being you know several hundred acres that burn up there, and that was you know just this last year. But that is something that I've noticed about at least our area, Dave. I don't know. Well, yeah, you're seeing it down that way too, because I know we've talked about the mountain fires and things like that down there. But you're starting to see, uh, you're starting to see a change, and you're starting to see these brush trucks and UTVs and things get used quite a bit more than what they were, you know, at least earlier in our lifetime. Yeah, the last couple of years, it's 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 been crazy, and it's it stinks because like I'm just not like I don't know, I'm a big guy, I don't like to hike, so it's hard for me, but. Oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of them, but it doesn't mean I don't go to them. You know what I mean? Like, being an officer, there's a responsibility. So I will still go and put forth 100%, 110% of my effort. But I'll be honest with you, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> I have some friends that are really big into it, really big, like pack train, like can go outside of the state of PA, like, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't mind doing it. I honestly don't like I've been on some pretty big brush fires, uh, like out in like the Austin area, um, yeah. like down towards Cinema Honing. Um, 
Nah, I'm not a big fan of the steep hills, but hey, it is what it is. Well, you know how you got those hot shots that fight the wildfires like out in California? Yeah. I would rather fight a structure fire interior than be a hot shot, hands down. I don't know why. I feel like it's more dangerous as a hot shot than it is to actually go into a house that's fully involved. I mean, those guys are jumping out of planes and helicopters and stuff. I mean, yeah, if you're going into a thing. house that's fully involved, that's dangerous. Don't do well, that. All right. I, I misspoke, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there was a time that I let it flash over on me, and you won't let me forget it there, Greg. Uh, we already had that discussion on here. But I don't know. Woods fires, I feel like they're, I feel like they're becoming a more common thing, and I think that's one thing that's unique to the rural setting is that we're seeing a lot of that as opposed to, you know, nothing against the city departments and things like that, but they're, they might get a multifier here and there, but they're not getting even one to two acres that are burning. I mean, we've been in my, in my own township between December and January, we yeah. have, we've already had two pretty decent ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, a, a one to two acre fire small. isn't a small fire, right, especially right. with, as dry as the conditions have been lately, you know, this year, especially we had very dry conditions. Um, it didn't take much in the winds. Um, you know, it didn't take much to get a fire going. It's funny you say that about city departments. Cause in the seven years that I was a member of Seneca hose, all of our outdoor fires consist of somebody flicking their cigarette buds. Starting <laughs> a bunch of those, yeah. Starting a yeah. bunch of those fuzzies on the side of the road on fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything against them. It's just, no. they don't, you know, they don't have the trees, but they're seeing, far more structure fires, you know, building fires than well, what we I, are. I, it, so I had a really good conversation with my father, right? So this is, this is, this is the difference I think between like a real department and a city department. This is the big difference. So my dad's been a member of Seneca hose for, Oh geez. I don't know. 40 plus years now. He's been there for a long time. I mean, maybe my math's off, but I, I believe he joined Seneca hose in 1977. So he's been with them ever since. He's a life member. And, of course, you know, me being just like my father followed through with him. You know what I mean? And, and, and through Seneca Hose, grew up there as a kid and until I moved out here. Um, the discussions I have with my dad and some of the some of the members there, like, they would they don't know how to draft because they have right. a working full hydro system. Like, they don't even have a clue. They don't even keep stuff on the truck to draft. Like, they were they would be lost, you know, if, if they came out here. I mean... Some of them are smart enough that I bet they can figure it out. But, you know, you, you, let's say we had a crisis in Andover and we pulled a pumper in from Seneca Hose and then we had a working structure fire here that was in the town. I mean, I, you know, if they had to go do water supply, it would take them a little while to figure out how to draft. I know it would. And, and that's the difference. But they don't train to do that stuff because why would they? They have a working hydrant system. I mean, Seneca Hose only, only, um, serviced four square miles that's it four square miles and they ran 1400 calls a year so it's like where us out here you know i'm 30, 40 square miles for for a district and and, and we run 96 calls <laughs> so so get this pembroke one square mile borough 350 to 400 calls a year yeah unbelievable I, and, and, they're, and they're the same drafting is non-existing you don't do that yeah yeah yeah, that's what's crazy. But whereas they're running one square mile, they're they're taking five, six minutes to get to a fire scene. There's spots in our district that might take us 25 to 30 minutes to get to. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just, it's no different here. I mean, I've got you know a little bit of a. I don't have near the response area that you guys have, but um, you know, I've, we have extended response area. We we cover a lot of uh, trees, so to speak. But like, um, we have a lot of state game lands on either side of Route 209 here. Um, you know, our district is pretty big. It's just the majority of it is in town. You know, and we see a lot of a lot of the incidents in town, nothing outside of town. Fortunately, right. the problem with yours is once you get outside of the actual borough, everything's uphill. It is. <laughs> it is. And, 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 <laughs> so uh, it was interesting. We talking about that. We had a uh, a, a rural um, a upper county chiefs meeting. Not upper county chiefs meeting. I can't say that. It was like a kind of local chiefs meeting. A couple departments getting together. Meet you know once every three months. Um, you know, mutual aid chiefs and stuff. And we sat down and we were going over some topics. And um, interesting topic came up with mine rescue. So one of the things that we face, and I, I honestly say I've never been involved with, is underground mine rescues, or mine rescues to begin with, any whether it be strip mining or underground mines. Um, I was going to say, there's a lot of coal mines in your country, isn't there? Yeah, so like right in the borough here, well, I, well the township, there's a underground coal mine. It's about, it's, uh, I think they said it's 1,400 feet from the surface. That's how deep they are right now. Um, it's a small operation, nothing big, but still in all, uh, they had a fatality there a couple years ago. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where we're kind of at the mercy of the mine rescue team. So they have a mine rescue team, but on the top end of that, trying to get a, a fire apparatus up the hill to get to it. Cause it's for the very top of the hill behind town here. Um, trying to get a fire truck up there, trying to get, um, you know, resources, even if it's not somebody is down in the mine, even if it's like a traumatic injury outside the mine that we have to do some sort of means of extrication. Like I'm not familiar with how that machinery works. Yeah. You know, they bring, they run buggies in and down on this like uh, winch system that runs it down into the mine and runs it out, you know, and if there's something that's, you know, God forbid something happens, I have no idea how any of that operates. So um, we were talking app. about doing, setting up a mine rescue training. Dave running his app. Something yeah. we have coming up. Yeah. It's crazy to think that like, I don't, I wouldn't know. Like I wouldn't yeah, know. I had no you. idea. I mean, it's just, but it's, it's one of those things that, and it's funny that you talk about that. Cause so, so my wife, uh, her best friend, um, his boyfriend, um, he actually works for the, for OSHA. He actually goes and travels through New York and ended PA down by, even by you. Um, and does like, you know, does the, on, on the spot, you know, um, checks to mines. And then he's also on the Northeastern, um, uh, accident investigation team. So like, if there is an accident at one of the mines, he is like a death or a serious injury. You know, he gets called in with part of the team and, and OSHA has to reconstruct kind of like what happens when we have a fatal car accident with the state police. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, they yeah. Kind of just, he could, that's what he does. And, and he that's was cool. telling me some stories and he was, he was actually telling us about mines out here and, and like Andover's area that like salt mines that I didn't even know exist. Like they're no, they're, they're closed off now, but I didn't even know they existed. You know, it's crazy that like, and it's everywhere. It makes you wonder, but but Pennsylvania is worse, you know. They Pennsylvania is coal country, you know what I mean? I mean yeah, and, and well, so you got we got the anthracite coal mines down here, which starts kind of in Williamstown's, like the I won't say the end because you have like out towards, I mean, down south of us a little bit. Yet there were some mines, but I mean, we're kind of the the very southern end of the of the field. Um, and uh, it's interesting to 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 think about because I mean, there's a lot of a lot more challenges than I ever anticipated. I mean, there's a lot of top end stuff that goes on, a lot of big equipment. Um, I just saw, uh, I want to say maybe Shendo, 
um, in um, Schuylkill County. Just had a uh, large uh, Euclid dump truck roll over. Euclid? And had, uh, you know, they had to extricate the driver and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's another challenge. I mean, that's stuff, you, uh, things you got to really think about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges that we all faced. Um, speaking of, of uh, accidents and calls and such of that, um, you know, so I guess, so for the viewers who are listening, so I actually had surgery back in December 12th, so I've been out of service um, up until recently. I, um, I finally got the green light to, to go back out and do stuff. Um, and today I actually got to answer my first call since I've been out of surgery. Um, we had a structure fire today in the sure rub it in. I know. I mean, it, I guess it was the town, but we're talking two houses away from the village line. So it was really close. And, and, uh, it was, uh, you know, for the team, you know, for, we got it, we rolled, you know, we rolled out of our department within the two minutes of the initial dispatch. I think it was quicker, but I have yet to look at the actual, you know, time, you know, responding versus time dispatch. But I mean, it was. We were quick on the ball, both tanker and pumper gone, rolling and full cruise. That's what I love. It wasn't like a pumper rolled with just a driver and one. It was a full crew of all interior guys and a driver, which is great. Um, but yeah, no, we got there. And I mean, it was a quick knockdown. Our mutual aid came in like it was supposed to, which was out for station, which really helped out and assisted. We pulled Wellsville in to do our water supply. And then we were able to pull tankers in from. Oh, Whitesville came in and, and manned our station while we were there. And then we had tankers from Whitesville, Wellsville, Andover, and Alfred, Alfred Station. And it went really, really well. Like, everybody worked good. And, I mean, I think we were only out on scene mm, maybe two hours. So it was pretty, you know, it was it was, it was it was a barn, and it was definitely fully involved when we got there. So, I mean, the guys did a great yeah, job. From the uh, comments in the group chat, it sounded like you had a great command presence. Everything sounded like it really went well. I mean, I didn't get a chance to actually listen to it, but yeah, Greg can answer better than that one. Yeah, Greg's muted. I don't know if he's got something going on over there, if he just doesn't realize he's muted, but I messaged him, told him he was muted, but he didn't look at it yet. So. Well, do they have a call? I mean, you can hear it. I was, I was uh, talking, sorry. Well, start. You're supposed to be talking to the podcast, Greg. Get get on it. Come on now. I was, I was actually listening to Dave run his mouth thinking, man, would you ever shut up? Oh wait, which Dave? No. Dave like at your hall, or Dave like that's in the yeah. podcast? No, no, Dave that's in the podcast. Wow, what? Dave, you're gonna take that's wow. Not, that's not wow. true. That's wow. Not true. Actually, you know what? I it's... was thinking. I was actually thinking that uh, I'm glad we don't have to worry about the coal mines and stuff like that here. The only thing we have to worry about up here is finding. This was a big oil country back in the day, so the only thing we have to worry about finding is while we're out in the woods, any open oil wells and things like that that have been capped off. Yeah, yeah, that would suck to fall down one, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's crazy. You, it's the so I guess more the concern. The more the concern would be the fire aspect, right? Because didn't didn't Kane Fire Company just have that where they had a a storage tank fire? I uh, was it from yeah, a, yeah, from actually a, it was Kane, I think. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't hear about that. Yeah. yeah so was we, it? Was uh, it an old storage unit or was it an active storage unit? No, I, I believe no, it was, I think it was active. active. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I can't, I can't actually comment on that one because I don't really know. Um, but I know, geez, I'm going to say eight years ago, seven years ago, maybe something like that. We, uh, we actually went mutual aid to Bolivar for uh, what had happened is there were some guys out in the woods 
and they were around what was, I don't know if they were actually active well, wells that were pumping or if they were decommissioned ones or what they were. But anyways, uh, they were doing some cutting and ended up with an oil leak going on and ended up with actually two of the wells burning. And not only were the two wells burning, but the oil coming up, coming up out of it created like a channel, I guess I would say. And there was probably a good, I would say, 30 to 40 yard channel of oil that was burning. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like a runoff pond type deal. So. Oh, is that your dad I just heard? That Yeah, so that's actually yeah, who I was talking to. Um, Hi, Greg's dad. So. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the myth, the legends there. Uh, right, well, and so I'm lucky because, you know, he's my first assistant chief. Uh, and I've learned everything dude. basically. Basically, I've learned from him. So where was he at my call today? How come he didn't come over? Short. He's a DC. Uh, he was he was waiting to drive the tanker. Oh, uh-huh. I said don't worry about <laughs> it. Right, I don't ever call Yeah, I don't ever call Allentown. You're right. I always tell you I'm going to, and I don't. Yep, I, I wasn't going to bring that up, but hey, that's okay. Well, well funny, you never call Williamstown either. No, oh, uh, that your trucks will probably break on the way in. So probably. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't want to don't want to put that tanker back out of service quite yet since you just got it back. I'd rather yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, in today's instant, by the time you got there, we were all back in service. So that's true. Doesn't that suck if we forget to cancel you. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, oh, so well, side note on fires though. Oh yeah, we probably would have. Side Jake note on fires though. How about how about Greg burning? Oh yeah, Greg. Already. Greg. Yeah, Greg's been busy, busy yeah. man over there. Nailed yeah. I don't know. I don't know about busy. We uh, so we went three years where we were. I mean, we were busy with mutual aid fires and things like that, but we didn't really have anything big to speak of in district. You know, crashes, things like that. Wood, woods fires. We always have woods woods fires. That's nothing new. Um, it's December. Dece- yeah, December. We actually had funny enough. Since I've been the actual fire chief, December we had our first actual structure fire in district um, that I was able to that I was able to run. So that went really well. You know that started off from a gas leak in in a wall that ended up combusting, um, but we were able to knock that down pretty quick. Between Allentown, actually, we have Wellsville on the automatic box coming to that as well. So between the two departments and Alma bringing a tanker in, we were able to actually keep the damage right down to a wall section. And um, so the house, if they're not back into it yet, they probably will be soon. They've been working on it, getting everything replaced. And, you know, of course, did you call did, did you call a tanker from Andover for that one? No, we did not. We didn't need to. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why we I never sure called you that. We made sure we stopped the fire before it rolled outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should try yeah, that you guys sometime. held that. You guys held that. You guys held that pretty. Held that pretty quick. There wasn't a lot and of. So uh, that was actually one of them that that was up on top of Elma Hill, which is it's you know ten to fifteen minutes from our station. It's it's kind of a kind of a distance, but kind of not. It's basically just about the exact center of our district. Um, so I responded first. Our engine crew was right on the road, of course. Wellsville was right on the road. Uh, when I got there, there was there was a decent amount of smoke showing, nothing visible from the outside. By the time we went inside to investigate, because to see what exactly was going on, originally it had come in that it was an oven fire that had spread to the wall. Well, 
come to find out that the fire had actually started in the floor below the, the oven. So it was just, it just worked out that that was the area. in. but we went in and made sure the power was cut to it. And uh, I was fortunate I had a fire extinguisher with me. So I was actually able to hit it with a fire extinguisher and knock it down enough for, our, for it to be contained until the first in crews were able to get there. Um, that accompanied with the homeowner prior to our arrival. He had taken a garden hose in and was doing what he could to keep it down. And I think that helped out a lot as well. So hit it with yeah. the green line. Yep, the green line. So which the I green mean, line. Fortunate but unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it happened, but fortunately enough, he's also a fireman in the neighboring department. So he had the the knowledge and the know how to, you know, make that happen and act pretty quick. So so I think that went a went a long ways in helping. Um, so yeah, so then you know after that we run, we actually had two pretty decent woods fires in between the time that we run. We run on one up on the one up on Alma Hill, just down the road from where that was. And I guess that was uh, I don't know if that was January or if that was December. Can we talk yeah. about can we talk about that one for a minute, Greg? Okay, what do you want to talk about? How he never called Andover. No, kudos to you for knowing where the fire was. It was dispatched to a whole different location. Than oh, that, he's, he, hasn't, he hasn't gotten to that fire yet. Oh, I thought this was what he was just talking about. Uh, this this one, well, well, so we'll discuss that one. Uh, but this, I was talking about the brush fire that we went to up on Elm Hill that was actually oh, called sorry, the yeah, my bad. investigation. And that ended up yeah. burning up burning up two or, two or three acres. And we had a couple departments in there that helped out. So, um, you mean so the, the part of the PA, right? to... What's that? Well, the, the brush fire in PA, right? No, no. Well, so, okay. So the first one we had was over on the backside of Elma Pond, which is in New York in the town of Elma. We had to go through Pennsylvania to get back into the fire. Uh, luckily, that one was pretty well contained. The second one we had was up on Elma Hill. That was the one that had burnt down into the valley and was spreading right. a lot quicker that we had to bring in more trucks, too. Uh so both of those were pretty good fires. We got a we got a lot of work into it. Um, that fire, I was actually amazed. We had all four of our trucks were on the road within five minutes of the dispatch, and we had a ton of members. So that was awesome. Um, so now fast forward, the crazy enough, just uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we yeah, had a ago. yeah, we had a structure fire in our first due. Um, it was dispatched as a working fire, uh, possibly a shed with exposures. So uh, they had dispatched it onto Patrol Road. And over here, we have we have some problems in the township. There's a lot of roads with similar names, and there's a lot of names that have changed over the years. So we have two roads. We have one that's Patrol Road. We have one that's Patrol Hill Road. Uh, now, when, the nine, when 911 was called, it plotted... The number that they called from plotted as a valid address on Petrolia Hill Road. So the dispatch center had sent units to Petrolia, what what they called Petrolia Road, which was actually Petrolia Hill Road, um, and so it created a little bit of confusion off the bat. Now I was lucky; I never. So what happens is here is when we get an alarm, we get a text message. The text message has um, the intersections on it. Well, I never even considered going up on the hill because when they said Petrolia Road, I immediately thought, okay, well, it's down low where Petrolia Road is. And then, fortunately, 
one of the uh, mutual aid company chiefs, Elma, lives right across the road. So he was able to jump right on and say, hey, it's across from my residence. But of course, there's so much radio traffic in between everybody, you know, getting in their vehicles, getting to the fire station, getting in the trucks, everybody getting moving, blah, blah, blah. That was lost a little bit. But by the time I rolled up to scene there, the the shed was, I mean, it was well involved. And the shed was sitting, I don't know, six feet from the house maybe. So unfortunately the house had started to catch in the meantime. Um, and that was one of those, that was one of those calls where I'm glad that we have our quick attack truck, our, our F-550. Uh, as soon as I arrived there, I found that there was a bridge and it was, you know, you could tell it's an older bridge. It's a smaller bridge. So I knew right away that we weren't going to be putting any bigger trucks over it. So I made sure to jump on right away and said, hey, everybody stage out at the road. The only truck I want in is Allentown 4, which is our quick attack truck. Well, so a couple of minutes had passed and they weren't getting there. And I was kind of, I don't want to say getting nervous, but, you know, when you're when you're seeing that much fire and you're not seeing those shiny, flashy red lights showing up, you're wondering what's going on. So I called them and said, hey, where are you guys at? They were... They were up on the other other hill, but uh, we were able to get it taken care of and didn't really have, it didn't really cause any delay in, in uh, extinguishment or anything. So we were able to fortunately keep it to just the shed, you know, the outside of the house got scorched a little bit on the one side. But once four, once four got there, they were able to lay a large diameter down into the driveway and one cross lays off and we were able to knock it down pretty quick. But it was... It was a little frustrating at first, but you know that's just all that's all part of it that you have to work with. Absolutely. Yep, sure is. Yeah. So, Dave, I'd ask you about about a fire, but I don't know. You you don't seem to want to go to any. <laughs> Dave, do you know do you know what fire is? I don't. I don't. So I think it's great fire prevention here in the the twenty four box. I think, I think we have great fire prevention here. So is that what you're going with? That's what I'm going with. All right. Sounds good. I like that. I like that. Fire prevention is important. Do you yeah, hear that kids what, don't play with matches? He may have good fire prevention, but the one thing he ought to do is teach people how to drive because they've been racking up the crashes. Yeah, oh, yeah. we've had some not so great ones. Yeah, you've, so. you've, had a, you've had a rough go. It seems like that's what always happens. Yeah, and it, you know, it's, it's strange, right? So I'm not from this area. Um, and Route 209 through Williams Township is a straight straight stretch. So I'm still trying to figure out how sometimes how some of these incidents occur, but and it's odd. It's just really odd, but they do. Um, we had a, a, a crash in the, the last one. It was a pretty bad one um, in December uh, involving, uh, it was actually a mass casualty incident. And uh, when it was dispatched, it was dispatched as an accident with injuries. Um, <clears throat> that is definitely not what I had when I got on scene. I had, uh, multiple entrapped, uh, multiple patients, very critical, um, one fatality. So it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, I had to kind of adapt and overcome there. Cause I was, this is, I was expecting one thing and saw something completely different. So it was like, you had to take a step back and say, okay, we got to shift gears here and go a little bit more extreme route. So we brought in additional resources. Um, one of the problems we have is ambulances here, uh, not having enough. Um, both of our ambulances luckily got out for the crash. However, we needed about, uh, I don't know, four more. Um, and they're coming from a distance. There's nothing really close. Um, so we ended up having to 
um, you know, some quick thinking from one of the mutual aid chiefs. They, uh, we put a patient in the back of his rescue truck and took him to the top of uh, the hill to 81 and met an ambulance there. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of changes that you have to, to make, you know, especially as an officer when you get on scene of these incidents. And that was one of them. And just, it caught me off guard. It's not what it was. It was dispatch is one thing. And we got there it was completely different. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, I, I, that one, it was funny. We were actually, Dave and I were actually on discord talking when it come in and I said, Hey, you got a crash. He's like, what? So he looked and went to it. So I was able to pull up the scanner and I got to listen to everything right from right from the moment it was dispatched to, you know, to everything. So you could tell, you could tell when Dave arrived, he actually did a very good job assembling the scene and, and giving updates and getting everybody in order. Uh, but you could tell right off the bat in his voice that there was something not good at that scene. But um, yeah, I didn't expect I didn't expect to see what I saw. I literally had one vehicle on fire. Um you know, fortunately, EMS got there when I got there. Uh, one of the EMS yeah, chiefs got there. Um, we were able to coordinate together. Um, you know, he took care of the EMS side of it, took care of the fire side of it. We had our resources set up with what we needed to do. We had everything taken care of. Um, it, it was it was a little bit of a hectic situation, as Jake said. I mean, when you get there and you're expecting to see one thing and you see something completely different, it's a whole hectic situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and I'm just like, Try to wrap my head around it. You know what's really crazy? When you think about, like, first responders in general. You know, I'm going to get a little sobby here, but here we, go. we go to that. We, we we walk away from our life. Like, an example would be you get up and walk out of dinner, you know, with your wife and two kids. You go to a scene like that. You be strong. You do what you got to do to get through it. And then you go back home to your wife and two kids. And you have to forget about it because you don't want to bring that into your home. Like, it's just crazy to think that the, the, the stuff that you see, the stress, the stressors and everything it is to do that. And then you have to revert back to normal life and act like it never happened. It's just crazy that we have the ability to do that. Like, it just blows my mind. The very trying part about that situation was it was a younger individual involved in the uh the incident and um, his mom actually pinged his location and came to the scene. Um, fortunately, one of our firefighters intercepted her before she got close, but um, you know, she, she did arrive on scene and come up and try to, you know, get closer to the vehicles and stuff. So we were able to, you know, stop her and say, listen, you don't want to go up there. Um, you know, that, that affects you a little bit too, as being a parent, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, little, you know, trying situation. So, um, fortunately we were able to talk to her and I went over and, and talked to her and as well as a few others. And, um, you know, it, it kind of, I don't know, it straightened itself out. You know what I mean? Like, but it was still rough. It was one of those things you don't expect to see on an incident scene, especially like that. Yeah. True that. True that. All right. So, well, anyways, guys, we've been rambling on for quite a while, so we should probably get this episode wrapped up. Um, I know we've still got a lot to discuss and, 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 you know, I think we definitely need to keep going on this. But uh, I guess any final thoughts from you guys? No, I just hopefully we can get more episodes out at a quicker pace this time around because I really enjoy doing this. And I know from feedback from a lot of other listeners, they really enjoy us doing this. So, Yeah. Yeah, and we keep saying that we're going to do better, and we really hope to, but I can't guarantee that because life is busy. Everything yeah. is just – everything piles up and – then before you know it, 
we're on to another day and there's just not enough hours. Right. So, but, but anyways, then, you know, thank you guys for being here. Thank everybody for listening. We hope to continue this and get back going. And other than that, for me, uh, I guess we'll talk to everybody later. Bye. Bye.